CFL fans, are you ready? Because it's time for the Canadian Football Countdown on Mike FM Winnipeg. The Canadian Football Countdown starts now. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. As always, I'm Ryan Coop alongside Michael Garrell. We are back talking CFL football yet again this week uh, with our Week 6 CFL preview here. Uh, We're on to Week 6 already. After this coming week, we'll be a third of the season already in the books. I can't believe it. Uh, Michael Garrell, how are you? I'm all right. I mean, it's hard to believe, right? But, you know, the CFL season's moving, and... I think Thursday Night Football really makes the week short. Yeah, it seems like it because, you know, we start recording, we record on Tuesday and then two days later, it's already, it's already football time. And I think in the couple of weeks, there's also a doubleheader on a Thursday. So I think that's the one on the weekend, a long weekend. Uh, right. But, you know, I, I like Thursday. Football. Yeah, yeah, I don't mind the Thursday games. Uh, the Canadian Football Countdown, of course, is a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. Check out all the other great Canadian Football Podcast Network shows at CF Pod Network on Twitter, and you can also view it on the newly launched website at cfpodnetwork.ca. So check those all out there. Uh, last week, Mike, we of course had some technical difficulties, so no episode of the podcast. I still did a written preview of the week, uh, so people got my picks. They didn't get your picks last week. Uh, Two and one. You went two and one with your picks. I went a perfect three and zero. Oh. I, I, you know, I played off of always my rules. Always pick Calgary, and home and homes are always split. So that worked out pretty well. Yeah, my my, my only I was so close to three and zero oh week. Uh, a certain team blew it. You took the bombers, didn't you? I did. Uh, fantasy wise, though, oh boy, that was this. This was my downfall, you know, a strong start to the season. Uh, finished at still a decent 80-something points this week, but first time this season under 90. Uh, did not help that, you know, I thought I put William Powell, the highest-priced running back in my lineup. He got about 1.8 points or something like that, when there's guys like Harris, who put up almost 30, and Wilder, who put up 20 himself. Uh, the Bombers' defense looks... Well, that's the one thing I am looking forward to. We'll get into each of the games this yeah. week, but there, there's a certain part of every game that I really like. And then, of course, defensively, I had Calgary's defense in my lineup, but switched it out for the Bombers last minute. Well, I mean, for... And we're getting to 40... halftime in that Bomber game, and I'm like, oh, yes. And when BC runs out of time on the clock in the first half, I'm like, keep the points off the board. Keep the points off the board. They finished with a measly four points in that fantasy points in that football game. Uh, well, how many points is it if you shut a team out? I, uh, I don't even know. That's interesting. Like you were having a pretty good week there. Until, uh, uh, we might find out this week with Calgary. Maybe. <laughs> Getting into the week six matchups, it starts with a rematch from two weeks ago. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders and the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You remember in the previous one, Saskatchewan pulls out the 18 to 13 win in a game that we we still don't really know what happened, how mm. how that one ended up going. Yeah, I think I said something on the blog like you uh, sit there for three and a half hours and you're wondering what you just watched. Um, 
This one, I think, to me, is a little more clear-cut. Um, I'm expecting a full rebound in favor of Hamlin. I mean, they've had a week to stir over this one. Um, Saskatchewan, I'm not sure. You know, Bridge seems motivated. By all accounts, they're going to go back to Bridge. That's what I've heard. Yeah, he is the confirmed starter for this week. Um, but again, it's starter, right? That's the... Yeah, by that I mean maybe one series until David Watford comes in and then Bridge will be back in after that. I I just, I would like to know what Chris Jones is thinking um, when he says that uh, Durant Carter is going to remain on defense. Like, I don't know, like, does that suggest to you that, that I don't know much about player recruiting and all that, but you'd think they'd have to find a, a, a defensive bat that's you know, adequate, so you don't have to have one of your best receivers on the back end of your defense. That being said, you know, probably in Chris Jones' eyes, he looks at the last game Deron Carter played, and he shut down Terrence Tolliver pretty well for the most part in that game, and the Riders won, so I'm sure Chris Jones somewhere in the back of his mind is saying something like, oh, we won that game, so we'll just keep doing what we do. As ludicrous as it sounds, and no, I'm not talking about the halftime show at the Eskimos game oh this past week. <laughs> That's a tie-in that, that I didn't expect to make, but... <laughs> um, You know, here's the interesting thing with that. I mean, for me, there's nowhere to go but up if you're the writer offense. I mean... For sure. As bad as they played, you know, they showed that they kind of slid it out, but I have a hard time believing, Ryan, that Hamilton's offense is not going to have more success than they did the last time around. Yeah, and, and, and the interesting thing with this matchup is it's a home-and-home, home, but both sides are coming off a bye week in the middle. It's a home-and-home home split, which is kind of weird. Yeah, so you have... Because normally with the home-and-home home series, you know, you don't really have a lot of time to make adjustments. It's almost like, I think it was last week or on the, the week before on the interview, before the first game against BC, Brian Warish and from the BC Lions then on the podcast here talking about, you know, how maybe what you prepare for those games, maybe you prepare, you know, less of a package for the first one. That way you can save some stuff for the second matchup. With the week in between, I mean, it's it's... I don't know if it's still the same level as a home-and-home. Home. I think it's a little different. It's not, and... You know, here's the interesting, interesting thing with that. Like, what did you say this was? Nineteen fourteen. Eighteen thirteen. Okay, eighteen thirteen. I trouble remembering. Um, it was two weeks ago. That's fine. I don't remember what I had for dinner like two days ago. Okay. <laughs> um, just kidding. I think it was pizza. <laughs> well, maybe one of your favorite meals. Did you often happen to remember those? I'm the same way. But, uh, no, I, I think, like, I have a hard time believing in this game that both teams will struggle get into 20. And I think the more points for the sport, the less of an advantage it is for the riders. It was quesadillas. I had quesadillas for dinner two days ago, <laughs> just, just to clear that up. <laughs> uh, very good quesadillas. Um, but, but, yeah, as you remember, Hamilton, in my opinion, two weeks ago, uh, stubbed their toe early on. Uh, they had a chance to blow the game open. And just like the Bombers, some games last year took field goals instead of getting touchdowns. And on the flip side, I do believe that Brandon Bridge is going to be better. But again, it's what do you make of a rematch? Keys of the game, uh, starting with the Ticats side of things. I think you talked about this a little bit in that, you know, they had the offense going for them early in the game, but they didn't really convert. 
You know, Saskatchewan's defense is good. To their credit, as much as their offense has struggled, Saskatchewan, besides Calgary, I would say has the best defense in the CFL this season. I don't know if you can make an argument for anyone else as of right now. Hamilton? Oh, yeah, certainly Hamilton up there as well. But, uh, yeah, I would say those three, right? Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Hamilton. Who's number four? Ottawa? I was going to say Ottawa, probably, yeah. And okay. then you trickle your way down, and then you get a mess at the bottom of you know, some combination of Montreal, BC, Winnipeg, basically, Toronto, basically Edmonton. The, basically, the part that changes every week is the bottom. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these three defenses, Calgary, Hamilton, Saskatchewan, are, are, are tops are in the Cal- Is Calgary, in your mind, far and away better than Oh, Calgary's one of the best defenses I've seen in my lifetime. Granted, you know, and I had someone kind of tell me, you, you know, how young are you if that's the best defense you've seen? Right. Well, I, I mean, I wasn't a huge CFL fan as a young child. It took me until late in my childhood to really get into the CFL. But certainly in the last 10 to 15 years or so, I can't recall a defense more dominant than Calgary. Yeah, and, we'll, and we'll get into that in a little bit here. You know, I, I'm trying to think back. There were some bomber defenses that had died Brown, Tom Canada, Baron Simpson. I remember those. Um. You know, they would win a lot of those close games at the old stadium. Uh, I remember I remember that because the defense would be so dead, but you'd get a stop, and then they had those metal seats at the old stadium, <laughs> and people would uh, bang their foot on the seat to make noise. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think, you know, overall, just getting back to your point, I think Calgary, Calgary had this unbelievable job. And, you know, to be honest, I'm surprised by more people didn't see it coming, and I was kind of maybe oblivious to it, you know, early on. Guess who called it? Well, <laughs> Calgary defense was kind of coming on the last couple of years, and last year really started rounding into form. So maybe we shouldn't have seen this as a surprise. I, I, I don't know, but... Just getting back to the Ticats and the Riders here, I do think the Riders are up there uh, as one of the best teams. I mean, they showed it in the game two weeks ago, right? And that the defense really won that game for them. Charleston Hughes with the big, with the big play to you know come up with that fumble sacker. We still don't really know what to call it. Uh, return for a touchdown uh, that kind of sparked the Riders win in that one. Hamilton, if they got to convert early on because I don't think like if Hamilton can get their offense rolling, I don't think Saskatchewan's offense can keep pace with them. So. Convert early on in the game. Uh, see, so the, and that's what goes back to what I said about two weeks ago, you know, stubbing the toe, taking mm-hmm, field yeah. goals, touchdown. Uh, so meanwhile, for Saskatchewan, I, th- I think it's, you know, find consistency on offense. You got three running backs. You know, you're rotating running backs every play. You're rotating quarterbacks every play. How can your offense find any sort of consistency when you're changing out half the team every play or I'm two? Just, I'm just surprised how little Jerome Massam is carrying the ball for Saskatchewan. Yeah, and, and I really think they need to start giving him the ball a little bit more. And I, I, I think if they truly want balance, I think it comes down to that. I mean, you know, no disrespect to Trey Mason and any other guy. That Marcus Stigman. Uh, Marcus Stigman, you know, great running backs. But last I checked, Jerome Massive had a much better resume than those two. The, the the two running back system works great. I don't think a three running back system does because how can any of the guys develop any sort of consistency when you rotate them it, every play? Honestly, right, I, I think it works if you have the right guys that are unselfish. I'm not saying, you know, one of the three is selfish in any means, but, you know, you really have to have the team atmosphere of I'm going to put my team's 
need to have my personal stats. Fantasy players to watch for in this game. Uh, on the Saskatchewan side of the ball, probably not really looking at anyone in particular right now uh, offensively for Saskatchewan just because you don't know what their offense is going to do yet. Hamilton's defense is really good. If you're looking for cheap options at running back because all the best ones are high-priced, maybe you go Marcus Digpin. He had a good game. Uh, not against... Honestly, I didn't find him that impressive other than that late run. Well, he had that one game uh, where he had a strong performance in that one, right? Absolutely, but it, it comes down to, like, do you trust Big Pen to get more carries than the other two guys? Well, he's the starter, so, but is he going to get but that what many? The, what's no. the starter on Chris Jones' team? That, that's fair, Mike. That's fair. Uh, and, and if you're looking for another value option, you know, maybe Shaq Evans at wide receiver for the Riders. He's because with the Deron Carter on defense, he's getting a bit more of a role on offense. He's the guy that benefits, uh, Shaq Evans, of course. Yeah. But I think, I just don't know, like, if things don't go well, and we saw this two weeks ago, do you put Deron Carter on both sides of the ball? Maybe. But fantasy-wise, I'm not picking Deron Carter in that case. Uh, Hamilton's side of things, Jeremiah Mazzoli is going for the CFL record of consecutive 300-yard yeah. games this week. I think he will get it. Uh, so Jeremiah Mazzoli might be one of the most intriguing options at quarterback. You imagine they're going to have a big bounce-back game offensively. Uh, I took Mercer Timmis in this game against Saskatchewan two weeks ago, and you know that was a bit disappointing because, again, the three running back system there – Probably not taking any Hamilton running back right now until we until we see some guy break loose as the go-to. Um, but wide receiver, I mean, take your pick. Banks, Tasker, Tolliver, uh, Saunders, any one of these guys can have a big day. The only Leary thing that I would have against, and I'm not trying to bash you know, anybody but trying to take one of those three receivers that you mentioned, the other thing is I don't know that is a risk worth taking when it comes to that Ryder defense. Right, yeah, the Ryder's defense could have another huge day this week. Uh, Banks, probably your, your, I mean, he's the highest priced of them, but probably the biggest lock given, you know, the number of targets he gets a game. But Terrence Tolliver going up against Deron Carter again, maybe Tolliver wins that matchup this week. You know, can Deron shut him down for two straight games? We'll see. So those are some guys to possibly look for in this game. Overall pick of the game, Mike Hamilton, Saskatchewan. Well, just before I give you the pick, the coaching matchups position-wise are enticing. Why? Offensive coordinator, defense, offensive coordinator against, you know, defensive coordinator from the other team. Defensive coordinator, you know, Chris Jones and Glanville, and offensive coordinator for Saskatchewan's name escapes me against Hamilton. Like the offensive. Offense for Hamilton and the defense. McAdoo. McAdoo's the offensive coordinator so, for Saskatchewan. So McAdoo against this Granville, and then Chris Jones against, I think it's June Jones calling the plays. I believe so, possibly. So just those kind of matchups, right, and quality coaches lead to quality matchups. That's really, really enticing for me. Uh, so pick of the game, uh, are you going to the tie Cats? I'm, you kind of talked to, about that. I'm going to tie Cats, and I'm going to go plus 10. Yeah, I'm going Hamilton as well. I think they'll have a bounce-back game this week. I think overall they're the better team. Uh, but if Saskatchewan's defense can, you know, 
cause some pressure and you know one, maybe maybe that changes things one, one thing too i i think we'll see in the first 10 minutes exactly which way this game is going. i would agree but it's the cfl so you right. know what what does the first 10 minutes mean right, in the if CFL? You watched the first 10 minutes of a certain game this last week yeah. you would have had a different saying Unless you're Calgary and at that point have already scored more points than you'll ever allow in a game. Then, then, then. (laughs) Um, Getting into our second game of the week, Mike, the BC Lions uh, in Ottawa to face the Red Blacks. This is a really interesting one because these are two teams that I don't know if we really know where they stand as of right now. When is the game, Friday? Friday night, yeah. I, I don't know where if we know where these teams stand right now because... We it looked like the Lions were going to be in the basement in the West, but perhaps this past week the return of Travis Lule has rejuvenated them a little bit. Uh, big comeback win over the Bombers, perhaps that you know turns around some momentum for them. Ottawa comes out flying to start the season with a huge win over Saskatchewan, but they've had two ugly losses granted to the Calgary Stampeders in the last three weeks. Um, what do you think this game's going to tell us? Honestly, absolutely nothing. Why? Because I don't think momentum exists in the, in football from game to game to game. Every game is a new game. You know, we can make general pro, general projections like we think such and such is going to happen. We think such and such is going to happen. And in the game, it's whoever rises to the occasion. Now, BC is has struggled defensively. Mm-hmm. So far this season, they they shut down the Bombers' offense pretty well this past week, uh, especially in that second half. They forced five turnovers, um, but they they've struggled to stop the run. You know, Andrew Harris over 100 yards the last two weeks uh, against them each game. C.J. Gable the week before, and now they're without arguably the best player on the team. Uh, their middle linebacker, who's kind of key in stopping the run, mm-hmm. Solomon Elamimian. Uh, reports came out today out six weeks going through the yeah on the six game injured list uh with a fractured wrist i believe it was yeah non i'll have to look it up later but something to do with his wrist uh he'll be on the six game injured list that's a huge hole for the lions and with the cfl's arguably best running back in william powell coming off a game in which he was held to 18 yards rushing going he's gonna be pissed off and, you know, the, this could be a 200-yard game for William Powell. Honestly, I will say this, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Once in a while, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. We but, need to, like, include that saying on the banner page of our website. Because, because it is now the official slogan of the Canadian Football Countdown. Mine anyway. But, no, I, I just think, like, I didn't see... Anything from BC that got me excited other than their quarterback. I honestly feel that BC walked into a win more so than they won the game. So I I just don't know how much we can take from that. And also, another interesting thing, BC looking for the first win of the season on the road. Right. Both wins they have came at home. So... Again, they did win in Ottawa last year as part of that Eastern trip where they started 5-2 and two and then uh, the wheels came off. But I like Ottawa a lot more than I like BC in this game. I don't know what to make of Ottawa because two of the four games they've played, they got the pants beaten off of them by Calgary. 
their offense got nothing going. Trevor Harris finished this past week with negative 0.3 fantasy points, Mike. Their leading quarterback fantasy-wise in the game was third stringer Danny Collins, who completed like three, four passes. I mean, this was an abysmal performance by Ottawa's offense. They struggled to, you know, in the first game against Calgary as well. But again, it's Calgary's defense. So how much stock do you put into that? They blew out the Riders. Who are the other games against? They blew out the Riders, and then they uh, 28-18 win over Montreal, which they let Montreal hang around even a little bit in that game despite an offensive outburst. See, but here's the thing. Ottawa, if you look at the way their schedule has been structured so far, wins the games that they're supposed to win. And I don't know if, quite honestly, we had them in any of the games against Calgary, given the way their defense played. So, I think if you're winning the games that you're supposed to win, and you put an effort in that's fairly significant, or at least gives you a chance in the games where you're not favored, to me, Ottawa's right where I thought they would be, given their schedule. Granted, I think they could have split a game with Calgary, and that, and that would be a, a, a different discussion, obviously, at 3-1 uh, and one compared to 2-2. Two and two. Um, But again, it's I don't think, to be honest with you, that the games against Calgary will affect Ottawa all that much. You know, they're 1-0 in their own division, and the way the Eastern Division is shaping up, that might be more important than those games against the opposite division, unless you're thinking about possibly eliminating the crossover keys of the game in this one uh for ottawa you know i i said this last week in our game preview as well um give the quarterback time or no sorry i said the key for the game for calgary was get pressure on the quarterback and uh i think that might be again the key for bc this week because we saw two weeks ago bc got no pressure on matt nichols we saw this past week in the first half they got no pressure on Matt Nichols. 17 nothing start to that game. Third ha- or third and fourth quarter, Odell Willis finally decides to wake up from his slumber there and and they get a bit of pressure um on Matt Nichols. He throws a couple picks that he never should have thrown and uh so that's really the key for BC this week is to get pressure on the quarterback because as I said last week for Calgary uh Trevor Harris doesn't run like Trevor Harris I think has like four carries on the season well, or something like that yardage last week? 18 yards see so I I don't think it's an accident um that you know when Powell has to touch Ottawa has to oh touch. for sure because Trevor Harris doesn't run so you get pressure on him he's not going to escape the pocket very well and when Trevor Harris gets off his game it becomes inconsistent like we saw this week so I think that's the key of the game for BC key of the game for Ottawa you just mentioned it get William Powell running because that opens things up a lot more for your offense. And against BC's uh, lackluster run defense, that's definitely especially something. Especially this week. Especially this week with no Solomon Olamimian. Uh, that's something you can exploit if you're the Red Blacks. Looking at the fantasy side of things in this game with BC and Ottawa, you know, Travis Lule looks like, obviously, he'll get a second straight start at quarterback for BC. He comes in as the second cheapest option at the quarterback position. Uh, at $6,187. Uh, the cheapest, of course, is Brandon Bridge at uh, 5079 Um I feel comfortable taking a shot on a guy like Travis Lule if you're looking for a cheaper quarterback option this week. 
Uh, there's no Mike Riley to guarantee you basically 20 points a week this week because the Eskimos are on a buy. Uh, what do you think of Travis Lule uh, as a fantasy Vi- option? Viable option, but I've been, you know, I want to see what happens now the teams have video on him a little bit. Right. Well, I mean, Travis Lule has been in the league a long time. People have video on him, Mike. Yeah, but not with his, you know, offensive line, which that I made over. They spent a lot of money there. I don't know. It, I asked the question, Ryan. Did, has Manny Arsenal lost a step in the last couple of years in your mind? Uh, somebody was saying the other day, I remember hearing this somewhere, he starts slow consistently. Every season he seems to start slow and he picks it up as the season goes along. So maybe we see Arsenal pick it up. I think a lot of it was he just wasn't targeted as much as he used to be. You know, maybe with Travis Lue back, maybe he starts getting targeted a little bit more here. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I, I mean, your two big receivers for BC are Manny Arsenault and Brian Burnham. And the question keeps being, which week are they finally going to break out with the monster game we're used to seeing from them? Sounds like for our accounts, Brandon Rutley will get the start at running back. What do you expect from him? Uh, I like Brandon Rutley from what I've seen from him in his time when he was with the Montreal Alouettes. Uh, from the fantasy perspective, you know, he comes at 4,476. Uh, that's not a bad, cheap running back option. Uh, I think, honestly, though, you know, some of these top running backs in the league and the matchups they have, uh, you're going to pay a top dollar for them. But I, I feel like you almost need to find a way to get them into your lineup this week. Uh, and that's Ottawa on the other side of the ball. If you got to find a way, if you can somehow do it, to put William Powell in your lineup this week because no Solomon Elamimian. BC can't stop the run even with him in the lineup, and William Powell is not going to be happy with just something like 18 yards last week. So expect a huge game from William Powell. He comes in at $8,240 in CFL Fantasy, uh, third in salary to Trevor ha- or Andrew Harris and James Wilder Jr., uh, but I would definitely try to put William Powell in your lineup. In terms of uh, wide receivers for Ottawa, you know, You've got your big three, right? You got your Sinopoli, you've got your Ellingson, you got your Deontay Spencer. Hard to believe that they'll be kept quiet for a second straight week. Right. And I think Trevor Harris will have a bounce back game here. We talked we talked about this on our week five recap as well. You know, Ottawa's offense has struggled greatly in two games against Calgary this season. But that's largely due to the nature of Calgary's defense and how strong it is. I expect a bounce-back game for the whole offense this week. Uh, so maybe Trevor Harris is a fantasy option you take a chance on as well against the BC Lions this week. Uh, overall pick in this game, BC-Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa is at home. How do you see this one going? Ottawa by less than seven. Why? I, I just think that uh, the loss of Armenian will might might lead to more uh, rushing yards, which might lead to more time of possession which ultimately will lead to less time for Lule in the offense to work. I, I think in the grand scheme of things, uh, less than seven points. Yeah, I will take Ottawa. Man, you and I agree too much this season. What's wrong with that, Mike? It seems every week we're, we're basically agreeing on our picks. I'm taking Ottawa as well. I think William Powell is going to have a big game. I'm excited to see what Travis Lule can do in a second start. Uh, but I can't see Ottawa being that bad again this week. I still like them as a better team. Uh, and then we've got the Saturday doubleheader. It kicks off with the Bombers in Toronto. 
for a family day game, Mike. Now, the CFL has announced that they're trying to pander to younger crowds. Well, that's been known for a while, and the way they're doing so is uh, with a partnership with the Family Channel and some of the cartoons and that. So you can see SpongeBob, Dora the Explorer, uh, all of those fun characters. There's another one to uh, Pop, Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol, uh, that's I one. believe, will be at the game this week. So yeah, I saw him doing a promotional shoot yesterday on Twitter. So the characters from that. Are you looking forward to seeing these characters around the stadiums now? Well, they don't have to Winnipeg till later in the year, so I won't answer. But uh, the little kid in me might be happy, and I think if this is another way to get families involved, great. But there'll be some family entertainment on the field in the form of the two guys that will presumably get a lot of the carries for their teams on offense. And that's, of course, Andrew Harris and James Wilder Jr., two running backs that have both, you know, talked about the 1,000, 1,000, 1,000 seasons. Uh, I don't think it's happening for either of them. They're certainly not on pace for it. Uh, maybe Harris a little bit more than Wilder. But, you know, these are two of the it, top. It, it's too bad these two teams uh, meeting so early in the season bat-to-bat. Uh, let's just see a Week 20 or a Week 21 matchup between the two to decide the Russian title. Here, Here's the interesting thing about this game is it's, the start of a second consecutive home-and-home home for both sides. Toronto had a home-and-home home with Edmonton. Winnipeg had a home-and-home home with BC. And now they play a home-and-home home here. So it's kind of a weird triangle mess situation where these two teams will see each other in back-to-back weeks after a very similar situation. How do you think each team prepares going into that? I mean, it's no different than your standard doubleheader. I, history would lead me to believe that the doubleheader will be split. Um, history suggests. Right. But, again, I, I just don't know. And and, and to be fair, history is often correct. Even when you go up 17 nothing at halftime in a game, history finds a way. Mm-hmm. And the Lions win on a game-winning field goal late in the game. But, <laughs> uh, of course, I'm talking about the Bombers losing in BC this past week. But you have Toronto, James Franklin, third start as an Argo. Uh, you know, this really is a matchup. Toronto's offense hasn't put up more than 20 points in a game this year. Winnipeg's defense gives up a heck of a lot of yards. Mm-hmm. If there's breakout game for Toronto's offense, is it this but week? not necessarily a heck of a lot of points. Not necessarily, but it tends to quite often come with it. Is this the week Toronto's offense can break out? I don't know, but today Winnipeg's offense is shooting about that. They're not happy with the number of turnovers. Right. No, I, I still think the Bombers won this. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you on that. Um, the real question comes, uh, how have how many targets is SJ Green going to get? He had 10 catches this past week. He's James Franklin's favorite target. You know, if they are going to pick apart the Bombers' defense, you have to think SJ Green, who's had some big games against the Bombers, is going to get the ball over and over and over and over again. Interesting thing, too, this is the fourth road game in five weeks for the Bombers. Right. A lot of home cooking. They did three straight home games after they're separated by a bye. So, you know, for the Bombers to find a way to pull out a win where they've been, you know, generally successful, and they've definitely been, the Montreal game is a Montreal. I think the Bombers, they won a game at home this year? Yeah, they won the game against BC last week. Oh, wait, wait. Uh, Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, yeah. So they're one and one at home again, right? Right. So... 
and this one's and in. Not that Edmonton game for the longest time was also winnable. So and this one's in Toronto this week. Yeah, this one's in Toronto, so it's the last road game for a while for the Blue Bombers. So I would expect them to enjoy the moment here, and you know maybe no knock on the Toronto fans, but. Smaller stadium might work to the Bombers' advantage. Ah, the stadium's small, Mike, but the stadium is loud, and and not just the guys with the horns. Like, the BMO field, you know, sounds a lot more full than the attendance numbers would show. And, uh, you know, I talked about that a little bit more with uh, Will Gertler of uh, the Argos FanCast. You'll hear that coming up shortly. Uh... On this episode of the podcast, I had a chance to preview the Bombers and Argos game with him. Um, he talked about the, you know, the crowd noise at BMO Field, and and it really is impressive given zero attendance numbers there. So I, I I think that Toronto does have a bit of home field advantage this week. Um, keep in mind, this is also two teams that are coming off of losses that they can't be happy with. Bombers. Lose on the final game field goal after leading 17-0. Toronto loses on just a single point there. You know, a single point loss, you have to imagine, stings. How riled up are either of these teams going to be coming into this game? I mean, it's interesting because I mean, quite honestly, I think this game is important for both teams for many reasons. Uh, Toronto can't afford to lose two in a row, I don't think. You know, given their one and three record. The Bombers looking to get some breathing room going into the bye and some big, you know, second-half games where there are not a lot of free spots on the Bengals card. The Bombers have a West-heavy schedule down the stretch, including three games with Saskatchewan. And and I, I believe that how the Bombers performed down the stretch against the Western teams will define whether they make the playoffs. Uh, keys of the game for both sides in this one. I don't want to be, you know, boring and just say, well, stop Andrew Harris. Well, stop James Wilder, because really these are the two key guys you're watching in this matchup. Um, but so I'll start with the Bombers side. Mm-hmm. I think it really is stop James Wilder because you stop him. They're confined to their passing game. You know, they're a little bit weaker in their passing game. They've got Green. They've got Armonte Edwards. They don't have a whole lot else that's shown promise so far this season in terms of targets for James Franklin. Uh, James Wilder could have a big day against the Bombers if he can shut him down. I mean, that defense, that's going to be the start of a bounce-back game for that defense. Um, I'll, I'll, I think the purpose of what you're trying to say, if it's a run-and-gun game with lots of points, advantage Bombers. Right. If it's a slide them out, let's play this defensively advantage Toronto. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a great way of putting it. I don't know if that that's exactly a, what I meant there, but it is definitely something I've been thinking of as well, right? And that Toronto's offense does has not put up a lot of points this year. The Bombers can get things going offensively. Um, they'll win this game because Toronto's offense won't be able to compete. That being said... They're playing the Bombers' defense, which might be a great opportunity for them to have a breakout game. And for Toronto, the key to having that breakout game is really just to get more guys involved on offense. You know, Levi Noel shut out from the stat sheet last week after putting up 80-something yards the week before. You know, maybe you give him a couple more deep balls. Uh, He seems like a fast guy on the sidelines that could catch some of those. You know, somebody's got to step up and and take on a larger role in that offense if Toronto's going to find offensive 
for, for me, the, the key is this, and I'll have one key. And it kind of touches on what you talked about, but kind of not. Exploit your advantage if you're in the Bombers at quarterback. Matt Nichols has more experience than James Franklin. It's time to show it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, if you want to talk another key of the game, maybe, you know, don't just give up at halftime when you have the lead. Uh, as the Bombers arguably did this week. Play the full 60 minutes is a key every game for both sides, and especially in this one. Uh, fantasy players to watch for. Bombers QB Matt Nichols coming off his worst uh, performance with three interceptions. Um, would you, if you were playing CFO Fantasy, because you do not for some reason, Mr. Michael Garrell, uh, as much as I keep suggesting you should, uh, would you expect a bounce back game from Matt Nichols this week worthy of a fantasy start? Yes. Um, for the simple fact that I, well, the stat in which I read from Matt Tate's article on yesterday's show. Yeah, our recap show. On the recap show. I think Matt Nichols has a bounce back in him. For sure. I just don't know if it's a high fantasy point value no. bounce back game. Because Matt uh, Nichols never... Historically, Matt Nichols has been known as the game manager. I know he wants to shred that label. But I'm very curious to see how many 300-year games Matt Nichols actually has in his time with, with the Bombers. Right. I bet you most of his games fall in the 220 to 260 passing yard range. Yeah, Probably. Um, you mentioned already the battle at running back, Harris, Wilder. I think either of them is a great option this week because they'll be heavily used in their offenses. Whoever neutralizes the other, I think, will be a speech for itself. But... That being said, it's going to be an awfully difficult to fit either or especially both of them in your lineup because uh, $8,634 makes James Wilder the second most expensive running back and Andrew Harris at a whopping 9055 uh, if you do find a way to put Harris in your lineup, you can only hope the Bombers continue to run him throughout the entire game, unlike they did this past week against BC. I'm waiting for Darius Bowman to break out for the Blue. I don't know when that will be. He got a catch this week. That's progress. Um, I did, and I think it's in large part, it speaks to the depth that the Bombers have at receiver. But, you know, down the depth chart a little bit is Darius Bowman. Right. And when he breaks out, you know, we won't be having this discussion about a mediocre Bomber offense, I don't think. I really liked what the Bombers did with Nick Dembski this past week against BC. And the uh, week before, too. Yeah, he was a little quieter the week before, but they gave him a good mix of run and good mix of pass plays. Seems Dembski is becoming a prominent player in that offense um, for the Bombers. You know, he's almost kind of in the role that we saw Tim Flanders last year, right? And, and the other thing, too, to note is uh, Tina and LaFrance have found out with yet another injury, so... Harris will be backed up by Johnny Ardstein. He was used very minimally against uh, BC last week, if at all. Um, so, again, that's a very interesting fact that, you know, you can rely on Andrew Harris to get a lot of touches. Right. So and, may, Nick, may, and Nick Dembski. Maybe a safe fantasy bet as well. Right. Um, in terms of the Argos side of the ball, SJ Green is a heck of a good pick, I think, in my opinion, this week, because he's going to get a lot of targets, and he's a guy that can make plays against a defense that gives up a lot of yards, so I don't see any reason why not SJ Green, as he looked like he has now come onto the scene again this year. Uh, James Wilder we talked about already. Uh, James Franklin, mobile quarterback a little bit, um, against this Bombers defense. Do you like that matchup? 
Yeah. Um, sorry, what, James, James James Franklin against the Bombers defense. I like the matchup. If I have to think the Bombers have a uh, breakout game coming defensively here at some point. It's just a matter of when. Well, they had one the week two weeks ago against BC. Yeah, and then the Montreal game too, where they gave a minimum, but that's that's Montreal. Um, no, but I I just uh, I'm very uh, I'm very interested to see you know how the regroup happens. Right. Uh, getting into our pick for this game, Winnipeg Toronto. Uh, the first the two matchups between this team, these two teams in Toronto. Um, what? Who do you see winning this game? I think you already said it. You said the Bombers, right? Why the Bombers win this one? Um, just because it goes back to what I said earlier with uh, experience at quarterback, and I have a hard, I'm a hard pressed to find out that the Bombers will turn the ball over four or five times again. That that it's so out of character. Um, you know, if the Bombers make one less interception, they probably win that game. I think it's fair to say, and I I just don't know. From Toronto's offense, if they, like if the Bombers turn this into run and done, I don't think Toronto can stop them. Yeah, I would agree with you. I'm taking the Bombers to win for that very reason. I think you, they just won't have the, uh, they they won't have the offensive firepower to keep up with the Bombers' offense. Toronto's defense has improved in the last couple of weeks. Do I think it's to the point where they can survive? You know, shut down the Bombers' offense enough. I don't think so. So I'm taking the Bombers to win this one as well. Stay tuned for the, the end of this episode, and or the second half, kind of, when uh, I will talk with Will Gertler of the uh, Argos FanCast. Uh, we'll get his take on this game between these two teams as well. But, Mike, uh, our final game of the week has Montreal and Calgary in Calgary. Um, boy, is there ever a more lopsided matchup heading into a game than there is this week? Is it lopsided if you ask me who the starting quarterback is for Calgary? Well. I, I don't know if it matters. Does it matter? That was my question. Of course, <clears throat> Bowie by Mitchell uh, did go down with injury, missed the second half the week before, uh, or this past week against Ottawa. Do you, uh, where, where's Bowie by Mitchell at? I'm in the nature of you sit Bowie by Mitchell this week. I know he's practicing. I know he wants to play. But it, it's no disrespect. It's it's Montreal. Right. And if there's any, if there's any game where you can sit him down, I think it might be this one. We talked about Calgary's dominant defense a little earlier on, on in the show already, Mike. Um, they're averaging nine and a half points against per game so far this year. I don't see, honestly, how, like, nobody's been able to crack their defense yet this year. I don't see how Montreal, of all teams, is going to be the team to go out and do that. Again, everybody was so high, so set that BC would then lose to Winnipeg. This Not week, me. This week, again, you're in the minority, but every pregame poll that I saw. The successful minority, by the way. Was heavy Winnipeg. I don't see why. And rightfully so. So heavy Calgary. I know I might be barking up the wrong tree here, but I don't know. I think Montreal done more of a game than people think. No, I, I, Especially if Mitchell doesn't play. I, I just can't see it against Calgary. Like I can't see how a team that struggled so much offensively 
breaks this defense. Drew Willey will be the starting quarterback for Montreal this week. Uh, Jeff Matthews, to me, in their last game, looked like he played, had a decent effort in the start, but he's on out four to six weeks now. Um, what happened to Jeff Matthews? Because was it just from one of the hits he took in that game and just now he's out four to six weeks? Or I'm trying to think which game that was that he was hurt. Well, that was the game against Ottawa where he got hit over and over and over again. It's just, you know, it's kind of like the Zatalaro situation, and we'll talk about that uh, eventually here. But for me here, it's very, very interesting. Um, I believe injury, shoulder, head, something like that, more and more, are not the effect of something that happens on one play. Hmm. I think it's a combustion of stuff that happens on four, five, six plays repetitively being hit. I'm not to suggest for Jeff Matthews as a head injury because I don't believe that that's the case. But when your body gets wear and tear and pounded and it, it grinds you down and, you know, I just think over the course of a game, one hit over the other and you, Remember, there were times in that game where Jeff Matthews was visibly shaken up and he wanted to stay in the game because he knew that, you know, this is my chance. And thanks to the bye week this past week, uh, Drew Willie is now back. See, so I think once you allow your body to calm down, cool down, and the adrenaline stops, then that's where you start to feel the Yeah, yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Uh, So Drew Willie is back this week. He'll be out without one of his starting offensive linemen because he's no longer on the team now. Xavier Fulton released today. Yes, for real this time. Um, how funny would it be if he shows back in the locker room the next day and says, uh, and they're like, what are you doing here? And they're like, oh, I thought you were kidding again. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, Calgary's defense. Montreal's offensive line struggles. How does Drew Willie survive this game? Because we've seen him back when he got hurt a couple weeks ago, uh, I forget which game that was for Montreal. Was that that game? That was the game against Saskatchewan, I think it was. Drew Willey was running for his life the entire night long. How you can't get any sort of offensive production going if you're stuck like that. Um, it just seems like too monster of a matchup, and we've seen freak things in the CFL, and it very well could somehow happen this week. Um, but I, I can't see how their offense breaks it. Um, do you think Montreal's defense can shut down Calgary's offense? Depends who's at quarterback. Well, with Nick Arbuckle, we'll we'll start Absolutely. with him. Absolutely, I think with Arbuckle, you have more of a chance. But do you think they could shut down the, the offense with Bo Levi Mitchell at that? Depends what you say. Shut down. Like, I don't know. Make of it what you will. Minimize to twenty points. Yeah, sure. No. I yeah I. I think even if you do, it's not going to be enough to win this game. Like, I, I, I want to speak positively about Montreal in terms of this matchup. Well, here's the thing. Can Calgary realistically keep this defensive play up? Oh, absolutely. And I think it will crack at some point, but I can't see it happening this week. And Wouldn't it be funny if it cracked in the last week that oh, I just against the Blue Bombers? That would be mighty convenient for people here in Winnipeg. Um, I did ask that on Twitter this week during, uh, during that win over Ottawa for Calgary, you know, uh, or I did say, I can't see when, or I really can't see when Calgary loses a game right now. Uh, somebody did go and suggest that, uh, 
August 25th uh, against Winnipeg. So Here's the thing, though. Calgary's schedule, no offense to them, has been rather soft. I don't think they've seen a West Division opponent Nope, yet. they haven't. So that, that also plays into it. For sure. Um, again, pitting Calgary, sorry. But again, there's a sneaking suspicion that Montreal could win. Uh, key of the keys of the games. Keys of the game. What's the key of the game for the Alouettes? Find offense. Anybody. Somebody. Something. Right. Um, defense has to score ten points. Yeah, you heard me right. The defense has to score ten points. Uh, fumble. Ran back into field goal range for a chip, and the defense has to score a touchdown. That's the only way I see it happening. Um, keep Drew Willie off the game for or off the ground for at least. 50% of the plays. <laughs> yeah, keep them upright. And yeah. I, I think if Montreal can find a way to do screens, hitches, something where, you know, you have this quick stuff, get it out of his hand, let your guys make the play, let Calgary, you know, run up and be forced to make a tackle. I don't think you're going to get them by stretching the field 20, 30 yards to play. Slice and dice. Screen passes, hitch passes, center screen. Give yourself a chance. Preserve the ball. Get a running game. That's a lot of stuff that has to happen. But I'll say this. If you're Montreal and you get into the red zone and it's third and short, you better be going for it. Mm-hmm. Because you're not going to get into the red zone very often. Nobody does against Calgary. And uh, you got to go for it any opportunity you get. Because you're not going to put up a lot of points on them. And uh, I would be pretty impressed if the Alouettes can, you know score over 20 in this game against Calgary because I don't think anybody's done it yet this year. So we'll see if Montreal can be the first, then uh, what do I know? But uh, key of the game for Calgary, I think, is just stay the course. Keep doing what you're doing. I mean, is it as simple as that? Uh, if it's if it's Nick Arbuckle in there, uh, feed Don Jackson all night long. Um, Here's the interesting thing. Who do you think starts at quarterback? I think it should be Nick Arbuckle this week. If Bo Levi Mitchell's not ready, um, you, you don't, with your starting quarterback, want to go and put him in when he's not ready um, and have him get injured even worse yet. So I, I, I think if that's the case, it's Nick Arbuckle. Well, it will be, remain to be seen. Um, if it is him, or even if it is Bo Levi Mitchell, just give the ball to Don Jackson a lot. You know, Make Montreal's defense stay on the field because if they stay on the field a lot, they're going to get tired. And uh, I, I think for Calgary, though, it's just keep doing what you're doing. You're 4-0 for a reason. Keep doing what you've done so far. Uh, in terms of fantasy players, here's where it gets interesting. Because my father and I, every single week, Mike, have this debate. Do you pick a defense or do you not in CFL fantasy? Because on average, they don't put up a lot of points. But if you can have a breakout game like we got from Calgary last week where they put up 21 points then, you know, it could be a week. It could be, it could make or break your week, really. Um, you know, do you save the cap space there, put a defense or, and put it into other positions? I will say this right now, the only defense I am taking this week, and uh, it's 100% building my lineup around it, is Calgary's defense. Because, just because of how things have gone. I, I, I don't see how you can't start them this week. And maybe I'll eat crow for that. Uh, you know, if the rest of my lineup is lackluster because of it. But I think they'll have a huge game again this week. Um, 
but I'm not taking anyone on the offensive side of the ball from Calgary, really. Maybe Don Jackson, but, you know, and this is something you'll hear uh, when in my conversation with Will Gertler from the Argos fan cast and getting his take on this game, is Calgary's up 20, 30 points at halftime. Well, the starters are going to be out of the lineup. Why would you take someone on offense? Like, even if Bowie by Mitchell plays, they'll get him out of there at halftime. You're only getting one half of football, whereas you could get a full game from somebody on a different team. Yeah, it's a very... Calgary's kind of your own worst enemy. You want to take them because they have a lot of the good stats and a good team. But if they keep blowing teams away, you're right. Guys won't make it in the second half uh, due to coaches' decisions. Uh, Montreal side of the ball, is there anybody for Montreal you would take in fantasy against this Calgary defense? Chris Williams, if he were healthy. Is he playing this week? I haven't heard. But again, I would. T- again, Montreal's a box of chocolates. You don't know what you're going to get. And you get the occasional victory, the occasional cheese of a close game. Uh, but most of it is a very sour piece of chocolate. Mike's running Montreal metaphors is, is my favorite part of the week. <laughs> Every week. Yeah, try to find the one in our weekly recap show. Yeah, there we go. Um,. Yeah, I, I wouldn't take anyone from the Owlettes right now in fantasy uh, just because I don't know what we're going to get this week, and I'm not a, I don't anticipate a whole lot. Uh, you're picking this game. I'm taking Calgary. You're taking Calgary, right? Or are you going to go ahead and no. pick the ups and take the Owlettes? No, safe pick, but I'm not doing so at 100% confidence. Oh, I, I pick. In CFL pick them, I go 100% confidence every single game. Every game I picked, even when I took BC over Winnipeg this last week, 100% confidence. Because mathematically, you know, if I go and pick the upset win and say for only about 15% confidence, that's still not going to gain me rank over everyone else who picked the upset win, right? right? right. So you might as well go for broke and hope you pick right. Uh, I went 3-0 last week. We'll see if we both go 4-0 this week. I think we took the same teams uh, as seems to be the trend so far this year. Uh, so we're on the same page, and we're not always correct because we've we've had not the greatest prediction start to the year. But um, yeah, the, so our picks for this week. Just to recap that here, uh, who did we have in the first game? We had we had Hamilton over Saskatchewan, uh, Ottawa over BC, Winnipeg over Toronto, and Calgary over Montreal. Now, without further ado, let's get into our game breakdown uh, interview for this week. Uh, I was pleased to be joined by Will Gertler of the Argos FanCast uh, to talk everything Bombers and Argos to tee up the matchup this week. Uh, so without further ado, here's my interview with Will from the Argos FanCast. And now I'm pleased to be joined here on the Canadian Football Countdown by our guest for our Week 6 CFL Preview uh, you commonly know him as at ArgoFans on Twitter. He's the owner of ArgoFans.com and, of course, one of the hosts of the Argos FanCast. It's Will Gertler. Will, how are you? I'm fine. Uh, thanks for having me. Oh, it's it's our pleasure to have you here. The You know, the Bombers in Toronto to face the Argos this week. Kind of weird in that both teams have... Two straight home-and-homes, the Argos coming off a home-and-home with the Eskimos and the Bombers coming off a home-and-home with the BC Lions. And we want to get into all of that here and talk Argos and Bombers with you. 
to set up week six in the CFL. But I want to start a little bit with the you what were your expectations for Toronto coming into this season? Because a nine and nine season last year, but they go on to win the Grey Cup. For them to at least finish first in the Eastern Division, uh, obviously the situation at quarterback has changed. But you know, coming into the season, Ricky Ray was coming back for another year, coming off of his uh, uh, his East MOP season. They had picked up James Franklin to be the backup, and they returned most, if not all, of their starters on defense, and even made a few additions. So my expectations were for them to finish first in the East. Yeah, and I was right there with you on that. I believe I had them at something like 12-6 and six this year, and actually repeating as Grey Cup champions, of course. The injury to Ricky Ray uh, plays a lot, you know, puts a lot of that in doubt. But uh, what have you seen from the team so far this season? Well, it's uh, it's been a bit of a struggle. I think uh, there's a couple things. They have, uh, they have a new defensive coordinator, and Mike Archer, who took over from Corey Chamblin, who right. uh, departed during the offseason. And uh, there's been a few... Uh, secondary has taken... Uh, has struggled quite a bit. Uh, TJ Heath and Ronnie L seem to be the two guys there who are having a little bit of uh, trouble uh, adjusting to their new environment. And um, on the other side of the ball, the issue really... I think what has been the receiving core, they've had to start three Canadians at a receiver the last couple of weeks. And um, both Ray and Franklin, I think have had trouble with guys getting open. And uh, I think teams are able to key on a couple of uh, those receivers and uh, shut the Argo passing down game down. Yeah. You know, uh, that was kind of the, one of the question marks we had for this team in the offseason was the wide receiver position. You lose Devere Posey to the NFL. That's a big one there. You've still got Rick, uh, sorry, SJ Green and Armonte Edwards as kind of the two real main guys. Who else has shown bright spots yep. so far this season at wide receiver as guys that uh, could be taking on a prominent role going forward? Well, frankly, the only guy I can really uh, answer there is Levi Noel. Right. He is a uh, Canadian receiver. I think it's his third or fourth year on the team. And he's had a good game in the first, uh, the, the home game against Edmonton, had a couple of catches. But uh, in the game uh, on Friday in Edmonton, he dropped a few passes. Mind you, the weather was a factor, but... As it always um, is with Edmonton. Right, of course. <laughs> but... Really, besides Green and Edwards, Noel was the only guy who had shown anything. Right. So coming into the season, game one against the Riders, I think many of us were picking the Argos to win that game. They come out a bit flat. Uh, what was the reaction after that first loss to the Riders? Well, I think people were people were upset about the slow start. First half, you know, they didn't play particularly well. Um I don't think there was necessarily panic yet, though. I mean... Uh, it's one game out of 18. They... Oh, I know. And, uh, you know, Regina's not an easy place to play, so it wasn't necessarily anything to... Uh, probably disappointment, but nothing too extreme. 
And then they go uh, in week two, they uh, they get trounced by the Calgary Stampeders 41-7. to Now, that's not really that terrible given how good Calgary's been this year. And, I mean, putting up seven points against Calgary is almost above average. So uh, I guess some bright spots in there. But Ricky Ray goes down, and uh, you have this new guy in James Franklin, a lot of hype around him in the CFL, come in and he gets his first two starts conveniently against his former club. Uh, what have you seen from James Franklin in the two games he's played so far? Well, I like the poise he's shown. In the home game against Edmonton, he led the he led a long drive down the field for the winning score. And, uh, you know, I, I think for the most part he's made the right decisions. They probably, the team as a whole needs to get the ball into the end zone, obviously, a lot. First two starts in an ARCA uniform. I like what I see. Uh, at least to be confident for the future. Yeah, absolutely. It looks like a promising start. And, you know, a bit of a rough start to the season for the Argos. Uh, but would you agree it looks like they may be turning the corner here? You know, they, they split it with Edmonton, a home-and-home. Home, but generally, those are almost always split. It's really hard to sweep a home-and-home. And, home, uh, and they only lose by one point in the loss there. Uh, the defense holds a very good Edmonton offense to a total of uh 17 points in the first game and 16 in the second one would you say the argos are starting to maybe turn a corner well i hope so because uh you know the east is still very much for the taking oh for sure the whole um, league is besides calgary yep <laughs> calgary i mean it's true they've only lost those you know the saskatchewan and the edmonton game were very close but they sort of at some point they got to start putting up you know what I mean? Like, it's like one or two mistakes a game. Right. Yeah. You know, you can play a perfect game, uh, but make one, two, maybe three mistakes. Just look what Calgary did against your Argos yep. in the Grey Cup last year. Uh, and, and all you need is a couple mistakes to capitalize, and that can change a whole football game. Yep. Getting into the matchup this week with the Bombers, I kind of like to, in terms of game previews, talk about offense, defense, and special teams, and who has the edge there. So we've talked a little bit about Toronto's offense so far. Going into this game against the Bombers, how do you see this matchup uh, on the offensive side of the ball going? Well, uh, I mean, you got that matchup at running back, right? The two guys who both want to go 1,000, 1,000. So both teams, I mean, the key for both teams is obviously going to be shutting those guys down. Edmonton was able to shut down James Wilder and uh, sort of that maybe was the difference on uh, on uh, Friday. Flip side, the Argos got to ca- uh, keep Andrew Harris contained because he's a pass catcher and a rusher. He can, uh, you know, uh, hurt you. Uh, interesting to see how Winnipeg responds, I guess, with Matt Nichols coming off his three-interception game against the Lions. And for the Argos, the key is they got to get that ball into the end zone. I mean, they've the most they've scored in a game right now is twenty points, and uh, that's not going to cut it in the league. Yeah, and you you talked about Matt Nichols, you know, three interception performance. That's the most he's ever thrown in a game uh, in his time with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Certainly, the offense completely died yeah. in the second half against BC. I mean, they were shut out there. Toronto's had offensive struggles. Uh, defensively these teams have both struggled at the points this season not really sure what kind of game we're going to get here 
Uh, I think if there's ever a game the Argos offense has a chance to get going, though, it's against the Bombers this week. I mean, if they give the ball to James Wilder, Bombers have struggled a little against the run. Uh, That just opens things up for James Franklin to, uh, you know, it seems like James Franklin has the arm to make some deep ball connections here, and that's something the Bombers can't defend very well. So there's certainly an opportunity for a breakout game for Toronto's offense. I mean, like with the way to Montreal, you sort of have to take with a grain of salt because it's Montreal. But you know, they looked—they've looked impressive in two games against BC and Montreal, and then against uh, you know, there was the game against Hamilton where it was a real letdown for the Bombers, I guess. Yeah. And as was the game on uh, uh, against BC, I think it was Saturday. Yeah. So you really—it's. It's a bit of a, a roll of the dice with the Bombers. Yeah, It's something they haven't really been able to shake during the Michael Shea era, am I right? Right, yeah. No, offensively, there's definitely been a bit of inconsistency so far this year. I mean, even in the two starts, Matt Nichols has come back from injury. And the first one, everyone's praising him for a great game because they blow the Lions out of the water. But uh, he, he really doesn't, you know, jump out on the stats sheet on that game. He has his game manager label uh, and plays another one of those games and then throws three interceptions the week later. So I, I, as much as, you know, they can put up over 40 points in a game at times, you know, if they're not smart in the way they play and the play calling, I, I think there's definitely uh, opportunities for the Argos defense to uh, shut this Bombers offense down. But the thing is, the Argos defense hasn't gotten much pressure on the quarterback this year, and uh, Dylan Wynn's going to be suspended uh, because of his hit on C.J. Gable. Right. So I know the Bombers' offensive line had been playing pretty well, so I think, yeah, the Argos are going to have to figure out how to generate some pressure because their secondary is to take pressure off that secondary a little bit. Now, in terms of offense, which team do you give the edge to here? I, I, I give it to the Bombers for now, despite the inconsistency, because we haven't seen uh, you know a breakout game from the Argos yet. Uh, do you agree with that, or do you think Toronto has an edge? Um, uh, I don't think it's necessarily unfair to say the Bombers have an edge. Uh, I don't think it's a huge as edge. As you say, the Argos haven't broke. No, but it's, it's not an unfair assessment. I mean, the... The Argos need to break out offensively, and uh, I mean they've only given up. They only gave up thirty-three points in the two games against Edmonton, but they gave up a lot of yards too. So, you know they they got to they still have to clean up parts of their game. I'd say defensively it's a bit of a draw, and probably yeah the Bombers have a bit of an edge offensively right now. Yeah, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. You've talked about it a little here. Um, I really thought coming into the this year that the Argos defense was going to be the best one in the league. Just the offseason additions they made, the guys they brought back from last year, uh, they struggled early on. Like we've mentioned, they've come around a little bit. Um, what What's the strength and what's the weakness on this defense right now? Well, the weakness seems to be a couple of things. The pass rush has struggled at times this year, even if they have, uh, you know, a a high-end uh, pass rusher in Sean Lemon. I think the problem there might be is you know, the, the position, the, the opposite defensive end spot. They haven't been able to really get a consistent guy going there, and maybe the teams are 
showing Sean Lemon a lot of attention. And uh, again, the newcomers in the secondary, TJ Heath and Neon EL, have both had their struggles, TJ Heath especially. So those are the weaknesses that linebacking core. Marcus Ball, Cassius Vaughn are, were very good last year, but uh, they've had a bit of injury trouble at middle linebacker. Bear Woods is out, Tank Reed is out. Even the guy behind him, Terrence Plummer, has been out. So much so that they had to play a defensive end, uh, Justin Tuggle, at middle linebacker. No Even chance. though Tuggle played linebacker in college, yeah. So that's definitely a spot. The Bombers could, if you know, they want to run that middle linebacker spot, they may be able to get a bit of a run game going. Uh, how, how, much, how long till we see Bear Woods or Taylor Reed back in the lineup? Do you know yet? Uh, I, I heard... Woods was supposed to be out for about the first month, uh, but they they have these two big, you know, pieces on their defense that they've been missing so far. When do we expect to see one of them back? Uh, I don't know exactly. Bear Wood, you know, Bear Woods says he's close, uh, and I believe Tank Reed started practicing with the team last week. So next couple of weeks, I hope they be. I'd hope they be in the lineup, but I really don't know for certain. Now, you mentioned the weaknesses there, the injury issues at the linebacker position, the struggle to get pressure on the quarterback. What's the strength of the defense? Strength of the defense, uh, right now, I mean, it's sort of hot. They've been all over the place. Um, I mean, they did a good job of, they did a reasonably good job of shutting down uh, C.J. Gable the last two games. Right. Although at the end, Gable had a few runs that clinched them the game. And they mostly kept the Ryder running game under wraps. A reasonably good job against the run. Not quite good enough, but it's certainly better than their pass defense right now, which is uh, not uh, doing very well. On the Bombers' side of things in the defensive matchup, you have a defense that consistently gives up a lot of yards and can't seem to come up with the big play when they need to late in the game. Of course, the one outlier, or maybe the two outliers, although the game against Montreal is such a far outlier, you don't bother counting it generally. Um, That game against BC, where they came up with several turnovers, they completely shut BC's offense down. But more often than not, I mean, this Bomber defense gives up a heck of a lot of yards. And uh, like I said, if there's ever a game that James Franklin's going to get that offense going, uh, perhaps it's this week against the Bombers. Do you agree? I I would hope so. I mean, the, they need to start. They need to start uh, showing why they're the defending Grey Cup champions. Right. Uh, and you know, if if I would have any optimism, you know, S. J. Green had a breakout game against Edmonton. And uh, I think uh, try, you know, to get James Wilder going. Yeah, that's going to open things up against the Bombers. They can have a breakout game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and defensively, you know, the Bombers, this big issue this past week was the number of penalties they took on defense. I mean, four major fouls, roughing the passer on Travis Lule like three times, just a messy performance in that second half. Uh, I agree with you. If they can get Wilder going, you know, uh, run down the Bombers' throats a little bit, maybe that pisses them off a little bit and they get a little careless. 
Um, I, I like this matchup for Toronto's offense, as I do basically anyone's offense against the Bombers' defense until we can see some consistency there. Uh, who do you give the edge to defensively? Uh, defense? Yeah. I probably... I, again, I say it's a bit of a draw there. Yeah, that's fair. I really, you know, both teams have had their struggles defensively this year. And uh, maybe I should just give the edge to Toronto at home. Yeah, I would, I would agree with you. I, I was going to go slightly in the Argos' direction there as well. I like what I've seen from that defense. Uh, you know, they gave up a lot of yards to Edmonton. Yes, in the past two weeks, but you're almost always going to give up a lot of yards to Edmonton's offense. I mean, nobody can stop Duke Williams. Um, so I, I think there's, you know, for Toronto's defense, I think they've shown some improvement lately, though, where they can at least keep the points off the board when they need to. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, special team side of things, you've got for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, you've got Justin Medlock, who is a little post-happy lately, hit the post twice. Uh, against BC this week uh, for Toronto. Is it Ronnie Pfeffer kicking field goals there, I believe, correct? Yep, Ronnie Pfeffer kicking. Ronnie Pfeffer, and then uh, who's on the kick returns? Is it still Martise Jackson again this year? Looks like it is. Yeah, but they did. They do bring in De- Dexter McCluster from the oh, NFL. Right. Uh, yes. So I don't know. Well, they need a bit of a, a kickstart. I think they, they expect him to. Anthony Coombs has been out uh, with an injury. And I think they're trying to, number one, trying to plug him into that uh, spot to see if he can't uh, help that passing game. And uh, I mean, Martise hasn't really broken any big ones this year, so I don't know if they're looking for a change at returner either. Who do you give the edge to on the special team side of the ball, Bombers or Argos? I give it to the Bombers right now. Ronnie Pfeffer missed a few field goals against Edmonton, and uh, you know, with the, with the game being a one-point game, those were the decisive points, and uh, he struggled a little bit with his punting uh, last week. I think Hugh O'Neill had something, you know, 47 average, and uh, Pfeffer's average was closer to 37 yards, so I'm definitely... I, I know Medlock isn't as good of a punter as he is a kicker, but I'm definitely giving the edge to the Bombers right now. I would agree with that one as well. Kevin Fogg has also shown signs as a punt returner this season. I think he might have the best yeah. punt average in, or punt return average in the league right now. I'm interested to see if McCluster gets in this week for the Argos. Uh, and if so, you know what he can do in the return game. But uh, until we see that, I would tend to agree with you that the Bombers have a bit of an edge there. Now, uh, overall take on the game, uh, how do you see this one playing out, and uh, who's your pick to win? Both teams need to win badly, and I think with the Argos at home, and, uh, you know, the, it looks like the offense is, you know, hopefully starting to get into sync, I'm going to go with the uh, the Argos at home. Yeah, I think that's a very, very reasonable, the home field advantage. Um you know, around the league, for those of us that aren't in Toronto, there, there's a lot of talk about when are they going to start filling the stands there. You know, the big thing about Toronto is the attendance at BMO Field. But yet, you, you watch an Argos game on TV, and, and it seems loud in there. Can you can you attest to how, you know, what the crowd is like at BMO Field? Well, sure. Um, 
I mean, uh, air horns aside, <laughs> which uh, it it you know the air horn in in the stadium itself, you could hear it, but it wasn't nearly as annoying as it was on the television. Um, but the stadium is, uh, I think it's probably the design with the, the, the over the roof overhang there. The acoustics are very good and they do generate quite a bit of crowd noise for a crowd of its size. Right on. Yeah. It, it, it comes through on the TV and not just the air horns that, uh, that was, you know, a byproduct of a couple people there. Um, before we let you go, I do want to get your take on the, uh, very briefly on the other games happening this week as well, starting with the Riders and the Ticats rematch from two weeks ago. Uh, who are you taking to win that one? How do you see it going? Well, I think the Riders have been playing a pretty good defense, except for against the game against Ottawa. Uh, mind you, all three of those games were at home. And the one game they played on the road, they got blown out. I think uh, Hamilton's going to be looking for revenge for that loss in uh, Regina, which they probably feel they should win. So uh, don't like to say it, but I think Hamilton's probably going to win at home. <laughs> of course, as an Argos fan, you never want to you never want to cheer for the Thai Cats, right? Nope. And us here in Bomberland are on the other side of things and saying go Tie Cats because you don't want to cheer for the Riders to win a game, especially when you know you might be competing with them for a final playoff spot this year in the West Division. Oh yeah, you may very well be. Yep. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. You know Hamilton can't be happy with how that game went last time. I, I'm still trying to figure out what happened in that one. Um, I, I would imagine the same thing as you. They're going to come back strong this week. Uh, the second game of the week has the Lions in Ottawa to face the Red Blacks. How do you see that one going? Well, that's an interesting matchup. Uh, well, Travis Lule, him as sort of the wild card there. He played well last year until he got hurt, and then he played decent last week. And uh, Ottawa's looked very up and down this season. So... Uh, Again, I may give the edge to Ottawa at home, but BC has life now, and uh, that makes that Western division all the more interesting. For sure. You know, Travis Lule, uh, one of my favorite players in the league, can't help but root for the guy. Uh, I, I think he has the potential to turn things around for the Lions. You know, I, I don't think they'll be as bad as we saw them to start the season. Uh, and Ottawa, I agree with you. A couple question marks maybe as to what, where they're at so far. Yeah, I think their defense has definitely improved for sure in Ottawa, but uh, mind you, it's Calgary that's shut them down twice. Right. But even against Montreal, at least, I don't think they played a full 60 minutes against Montreal. No, so, I, yeah, I, bit dicey there. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, and then speaking of the Alouettes, the final game of the week has them in Calgary to face the Stampeders. Um, Calgary can't win in Montreal for some reason, but uh, with this one in Calgary, do you expect the Stampeders to pick up win number five? Remember last year when Calgary beat Hamilton 60-1? to Yeah. Uh, I, my mind says that might happen again. <laughs> 
I mean, yeah, everything on paper looks like it might, you know. Uh, in terms of CFL fantasy, I debate every week whether or not taking a defense is worth it. I would suggest to every single person this week to put the Calgary defense in their lineup. Yeah, because Calgary just, I mean, their defense is unstoppable right now. And uh, if there's any team I don't have the faith yeah. in to break out offensively against them, probably the Alouettes right now. And on the flip side of that, I wouldn't take any Calgary players on offense simply because if this game goes as I expect it to, they'll all be out of the lineup pretty early. Right. Yeah, and I mean, we kind of saw that this week against Ottawa a little bit. Bowie by Mitchell, who knows, you know, I imagine he could have yeah. probably played in that second half, but there was no need to. So, of course, they're going to rest him. No. There. And I, and I suppose that is a bit of a, a question mark for this game is Bo's, Bo Levi's, Bo Levi Mitchell's health. And uh, if they have to start, you know, Arbuckle, for example, yeah. will it be closer than expected, I guess, is the most generous I can be to the Alouettes. Uh, if you had to pick a game of the week for this coming week, which one do you think it will be? I'm, uh, I'm actually interested in this uh, BC-Ottawa game just to get a gauge of where uh, the Lions are at under Lule and, uh, you know, where Ottawa, where Ottawa's at after two bad performances against uh, Calgary. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's going to be the matchup of the week as well. We'll leave it at that. Before I let you go, I do want to obviously give you an opportunity to uh, plug your own work. So uh, where can people find you on social media and uh, where can they find your work and all you do? Okay, well, you can find me on Twitter at, at ArgoFans or uh, visit my website at www.argofans.com. Of course, I'm also the co-host of the Argos FanCast with Clay and Anthony, and uh, we record every uh, Tuesday night and... Uh, you can find uh, the Twitter for our show at, at Argos Fancast on Twitter. Wonderful, wonderful. And make sure to check out the all of the latest episodes of the Argos Fancast. It's a must-listen every week. Uh, you, all, you guys do a great job on it. Well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, Will, thanks for taking the time to join us here on the Canadian Football Countdown. And uh, enjoy the game this week and then again next week. Well, thanks for having me. And... Uh... I'd say I'd wish luck, but uh, not too much luck on uh, Saturday. Of course. Uh, as long as it's an exciting football game, uh, I think we can agree on both wanting that. Oh, exactly. And that was Will Gertler of the Argos FanCast joining us here on the Canadian Football Countdown for our Week 6 game breakdown between the Bombers and the Argos. Uh, thanks again to Will for joining me uh, for that interview. It was a great pleasure talking this matchup with him and getting his take on uh, where the Argos are at so far this season. Uh, Michael Garrell, if you had to pick a game of the week for this coming week, which one would you say it would be? Toronto and Winnipeg, just on the matchup of Wilder and Harris. Yeah, that's going to be a fun matchup to watch. Uh, who do you think is going to have a better day? I think Harris, just to he's a little more threat ability. Um the second game, my game, which will be a close set in the Saskatchewan Hamilton. I want to see second time around what happens. I'm going to agree with what Will said, and I'm going to go the Lions and the Red Blacks because these are two teams that I don't know what to make of them so far this year. So it's a game where, you know, we have a chance to maybe see that and figure it out a little bit. 
Uh, do you have any final thoughts here, Mike, as we wrap up our Week 6 preview? Well, our Week 6 preview, I want to see what happens this week, but I don't think much will be defined through a quarter of the season, to be very honest with you. And A third of the season. Uh, yeah, a third of the season. Uh, that's what I said. Something like that. I don't know. Math. Uh, <laughs> no, a third of the season actually is no longer a Week 6 because it's 21 weeks now. So. Oh, yeah. So next week is yeah. a third of the season, Week 7. Yeah. Yeah. But... No, I, I still think that, you know, despite being five weeks done, six weeks coming up here, I still think there's a lot to be decided. Uh, you know, we have Calgary at number one, Montreal at number seven, and everybody else in the middle somewhere. And that just seems to change based on how said team plays in a week. So I guess what I'm looking for this week is some kind of clarity, but I don't think we're going to get it. And we'll leave it at that and look forward to seeing if we do find that clarity this week. Uh, if you haven't already done so, make sure you check out our Week 5 recap episode of the podcast. That's out on all the podcast feeds already. And uh, stay tuned for Mike's weeks, uh, Week 5. Is it Week 5 or Week 6 power rankings? Is it previous week or the next week? What do we... I have no idea. I think it's the Week 5 power rankings. Uh, either way, stay tuned for the power rankings. Yeah, Week 5. Yeah. Stay tuned for the power rankings. Those will be out uh, Thursday morning, possibly earlier. Correct, Mike? Yep. Uh, Stay tuned for that. Uh, You can find that on our website at mikefmwinnipeg.com slash the Canadian Football Countdown. That's all hyphenated, uh, that last part there. Uh, Find us on all the podcast feeds, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn Radio, And, of course, if there's any other ones that you normally listen on, uh, just message us on Twitter. Uh, You can find us at CFC on MikeFM, and we will uh, work to get it on that platform to make it easier for you to listen. So uh, that does it for this episode of the podcast. For Michael Garrow, I'm Ryan Koop saying thank you for listening. We hope you enjoy this week's games, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week with more CFL football here on the Canadian Football Countdown. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye.